Recently, I had the chance to visit with Jack Georges, one of my favorite fashion entrepreneurs. This is a classic American dream immigrant story from the streets of Lebanon to New York, working two jobs, buying the building, now here 36 years later, continuing to run a thriving business. Look out for nine amazing tips from Jack throughout this video. Enjoy. What would you say to a young entrepreneur, which is a very good question you had. You're just starting now. Work harder, put 80 hours plus. I'm sorry, yeah. anybody who's want to start a business, anything you're gonna just gonna go home at five o'clock, is not gonna be yeah. a businessman. Yeah. You know. But so, okay, so but it's interesting because they sometimes they say you know, uh, and I have my experience too. Like you have to go all in, right, and put in the 80 hours. But it's interesting that in your case you also continuing to work. Well, how long did how job. long did you do that? I did that for a year. For a year. I couldn't put a pressure on my own business. And then after a year, you saw there was enough? No, no, it was enough. I mean, I was profitable to start with, but I just, just took a time yeah. till you don't want to put a pressure. I end up spending no money. I mean, yeah. I was working 80, 100 hours a week. Hmm. I was spending one third of what I normally spend. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you were accumulating a profit as you were growing. Yeah. Yeah. And let's put it this way, the more hours you work, the less money you spend also. Yeah, that's true, that's so true. I was very, very profitable company. Right. So what happened is I was making a lot of money by working hard, made less mistake, and uh, my expenses was low. Hmm. So how you cannot make money when you, you know, and I was not cheap, I was not a cheap brand. Main ingredient today, which is the buffalo hide, and as you can see, this is a natural leather. So imperfection is part of, I mean, you can see a lot of detailing on the leather. Yeah. And in order to cut this, you have to be able to artistically know how to put this. You can put these things on, on the front of the bag. Mm. So this has to go somewhere. It could be inside, interior or not. It doesn't make it any different. And by the way, what about color? I noticed most of your bags fall into like three colored well the natural Generally, leather sometimes you, you go for this. the natural leather it's it's a we, because it's a natural leather so the color proper goes with it needs a two-tone effect there's an oil in the leather itself mm. and you can see the dark and the lighter shade mm. so where we end up taking in bright leather red so that's not buffalo no okay yeah and this is more i mean here has happened to be uh Grainy leather, you could do shinier patent leather. So this type of leather would be more patent. This would be pebble grain, but this here you get the color uh, exactly as you, you want. So I came to the market in the first day at expensive brand. Who are you to yeah. charge that much for? Yeah, how did you decide that? Is that, you know? Because I felt it two way. One, either I had to be the, the cheapest, yeah. And I didn't like that. Or I couldn't be the most expensive because who are you to be? But I was more different than others. Mm -hmm. I was also more personal. Where other people would say, you know, I would only deal with the bosses. I dealt with the smallest people. I walk into a store, I work out. Not to the boss, mm -hmm. to the employees on the floor. Mm -hmm. Made sure that they like me, make sure that the product is right. Be then I went to the boss and then I get their support because when I showed 
the buyer, then he asked his salespeople, I already worked them up, I already showed them, I already went over the detail. Mm -hmm. They said, he got the right product. We could sell it. Well, what else you need? Yeah. The, the owner didn't care. Or what he cared if his product's going to turn. Yeah. You know. Now, we gave lifetime warranty. It was the first year. From the beginning? From the beginning. First day. Every bag had a lifetime warranty. And it was a very simple reason why. Because being as a sales rep, saw the frustration in the stores. If something went back, first we did everything in under one roof. So all part were here. So big deal. Mm -hmm. The repairs take five minutes, two minutes, three minutes. So if you get two repairs a day, it will take 10 minutes. You make it priority though. So in, in all our catalog, it's 24 hours of a repair. Come to the shop, must be out. Why? Didn't take that long to do that. Mm -hmm. But that lifetime warranty itself excel our price point to give us maybe 10 to 15 percent higher. Mm. And in, in the end of the result, the return was not even one percent. Mm. Not even. Other people would say, "Oh, we'll take two weeks, three weeks. Why? Repair come in, 11 o'clock UPS return. The same afternoon we go out. They have to go out. Why not?" So the lifetime warranty was a very substantial, important, and was important to my business because I had have, it, have to have a reason to enter a door. Yeah. I wasn't the best because you couldn't be the best. Well, when you're starting, yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't be the cheapest because yeah. you don't want to be the cheapest. So you have to be different. So what I offer them, a lifetime warranty, I offer them a quality product, and I also give them a service. Hmm. What we're doing here is is a product development. We mm -hmm. don't see the buyers. I mean, at one time we would get people like Jetman Henry. They would come in, mm -hmm. and sometimes they even look at so it's not product. This is more like the horseback riders. This is a saddle leather. Mm -hmm. So it's a hard. What I like about this is different. Yeah, the shape, you know, uh, different. But that's because you can't make straight. Shit. Basically, work in the morning, never tie and and a suit always. Hmm. But then I came to the office at 11, 12 o'clock after I finished my account. Put my jeans on, put on my jeans, sitting on a sewing machine, sewing that evening till whatever the day is over. Hmm. Work. You, you were doing the the hands Absolutely. on, the hands on, but work. not in the morning. You know, not when my appointment. Yeah. One of my appointment, I went yeah. in. Strictly as because those days where everything have to look professional. Yeah. If you look like slagged like now, yeah. you wouldn't open up. Yeah. You yeah. go to Brooks Brother, you have to look like a Brooks Brother. Yeah. So when you went to see your customers, you went according to the because otherwise you would have been looked at not professional. Yeah. So how you could so you demand the professional price. I mean uh, the high price point, but you have to look at too. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's the whole package. They're not yeah. just buying the bag. I came out to know the demand. I yeah. still came in and yeah. I was humble and work and shop and cut and sew and you know whatever. You know, I did my own design once a month, every set, once every Saturday a month. I came and worked strictly on on product development. Design, that was yeah. my me and Peter. Peter, who still work with me now, thirty six years later, is my production guy. 
So for 36 years? He's been with me uh, a month after I started his production. He does stamping now. He does We, we do small work, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. Still, we're together. That's nice, because I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, um, like, like, like the culture, the team. Yeah. So, I, mean, you... I mean, the truth is we didn't lose people yeah. because they left because yeah. of... Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of them retired. You sure. know, and you know, after that many years, they were some of them there sixty. I'm sure some of, them, of course, some of them passed away. But they stayed as long we were in business. Uh, I don't think we lost an account because of treatment. I don't think we lost many employees because of. Uh, and you tell them the truth is, you know, they should leave to do something better. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel start your own thing or something. Very happy with yeah. them. I have to say. To every person who left me, a lot of them, they did very well. And it's a pride for me to say this person was working for me, whether you know they were in the sales department or not. And as long as they did better, they left for a good reason. Yeah, that's great. Listen, I mean, the culture of a company is going to take on the mentality of, of the leader in, in a way, in many ways, right? And yeah. I mean, you started by yourself. You're working 80 hours a week. I mean, at least this is something in my experience. Sometimes it's hard. I mean, you motivate people because just by following what you do, but not everyone can do it at that level. Uh, I mean, you know what? It's not. It's not fair. I mean, uh, it, it is. Uh, each one have God give him a limit, and every person I think is a special. I think as a manager and the the own the company, sometimes make mistakes, not the employee. So a manager also have to look at his key people yeah. and see where they fit, mm. you know. You have something where people are cut through some customization. The stamping is a major, major selling point. Mm. I would say at least 60% of every order came in the past three, four weeks are initials. Mm. And we do it here, we do it the same day. And those are important. I think those are personalization of the bag. It makes us a little different than, than others. Some people have access to it, some people don't. But people do like having a gift with their, you know. Uh, Absolutely. And I think we want to focus on that part. Uh, we do custom, we do also branding. I mean, I do product for Brooks Brothers. Uh, we are high-end producers. Uh, so over the years, so I want to ask you that, like a Brooks Brothers example, like um, yeah, we, we, over the years, what percentage of your business is I would like say Jack George's brand versus... 90% from 90% uh, has always been Jack George's, 10%, yeah. but still 10% was quite a bit business, yeah. also open up quite a door, door sometime. And uh, when they saw the quality is the same, they become accepting even the, you know, so, mm. but I have to say that was one of the things that I did. I had a guy in Madison Avenue. I did exclusive for them in the beginning to put their name on, it was the same product. And it was always, it was never co-branded. It was always just their brand. But also co-branded. Oh, co-branded no, no, co like the high quality stores like in Vegas we have very very high-end uh, retailer that we did co-brand by Jack George's Alportal by so this way gave them a little bit exclusivity for sure even though it was the same product yeah you know, but again uh, they felt they need the no today I would say anybody who want to you to make product for them they want you to be co-branded because yeah. we are high-end brand yeah talk a little bit about the I know this isn't in the script here, but like talk about that supply chain for you now versus maybe when you started. Like how is, I mean, as part of how the industry's no, changed. No, absolutely. Just, the start was a very simple, you know, we are premium price, premium, premium product line. We look at the best leather 
around. So my first year in business, I was doing American hide, as also I was doing international leather out of Europe, mm. France and Italy, which is a top, top match. So we were, you know, so my first year in business, I cut my trip and I went to Cement de Cure in Paris to buy a material. So I walked into a company who worked, I worked with them before because I was a buyer for yeah. a bigger volume. And the guy looked at me like this and he said, Jack, you little guy, work with my rap. Just like this. Mm. I was insulted, I'm not gonna tell you. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying I, whatever. This guy ended up working and trying to sell me for years. And I, I said to him, uh, you know, I said, uh, I'll buy from you anything I can buy from somebody else, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I would not buy anything that I cannot sell. I yeah. made very sure. Yeah. I bought product from him as long as I couldn't buy it from someone else. Yeah. But he wasn't going to be the guy who the I would primary, be. primary, yeah. Absolutely, because I didn't want to be treated. Yeah, it's a relationship. I followed my, uh, yeah. you know, front of people. Hey, Jackie, little guy, work with. Uh, yeah. You know, so, and that was, anyway. So, yes. And that was in the beginning and, yeah. In the beginning, and as I said, you take it. I could have, uh, you know, whatever. You swallow your pride yeah. and till you get your point and, uh, but yes, uh, international, I had the opportunity, I have to say, I was one of those lucky guys that when I was working with Elizabeth, I became their uh, uh, purchasing agent in 1980. Mm. So as a young guy, I was purchasing agent, then in, went to raw material, then I, they asked me to travel overseas to develop products. So I was in mainland China, in China, in Taiwan, Korea, in, in the early 80s. Mm. You know, probably prior to anybody who's who's been uh, yeah. in that part. And uh, so that was, so when I came to open Jack George's, I already had exposure. Connections, the exposure, the experience. Exposure, manufacturing, as I said, working from the punching a card on a, on a table uh, to uh, purchasing, uh, to product development, to uh, sales and marketing. And so they did circle. So that was the luck that you end up going through the cycle of changes. So you talked about when you started that every week you had your product design on, like at the beginning you were like every Saturday, I think you mentioned. One, you once a month I did once product month, because I didn't want to make too many products. Right. Our focus was to open up every account could sell our product. Sure. So actually I didn't do a big line. Sure. I cookie cutter, similar items. Hmm. So within the first year I opened up 170 accounts. Personally, I opened up 104 accounts and I only showed the product to 107. Hmm. Only three accounts did not buy the product the first time they looked at it. Wow. And two of them, they were very large retailers and they said, we're doing you a favor, Jack. Or actually, even personally, I didn't want them to buy the line. Hmm. But I had to do my job to, sure. to show it to them. And if I sold them, I wouldn't be able to sell that many accounts. Hmm. So one of them said to me, I'm doing you a favor, Jack. We'll look at it next year. And hmm. he did. And I walked out of his office and I went to Neil Marcus to score back first year in business in Dallas. I put a quarter in machine. I was in, in, in Main Avenue in Dallas. I walk in and walk out of the motor with Neiman. Wow. Okay, so the fact that he didn't buy, so I was able to tell Neiman, you are exclusive my retailer in, in Dallas. I didn't have to sell that specialty store till a year later and that was. Wow. So, you know what I'm saying? So It worked out. It worked out. Oh, absolutely. Every, but you have to pay your dues. I went in, hopefully not, he would not buy, but 
to show interest. Right, right. And exactly the, the same thing happened. Yes, they showed interest, but the time wasn't right. And when I woke up, instead of being upset, thanks God, I did my job. Yeah. You know, so that was a blessing. I hired two sales reps, one in the Midwest, which is either 60 account, and one in California opened 25 accounts. So my first year in business, I had 186 accounts. It's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Accounts, not store. Yeah. Accounts. So some people have multi-stores, five, ten, whatever. But that's really what we did. So we did cookie cutter doing the same product, you know, to to enlarge our uh, market first. Sure. Then as time goes in, you start to develop more product and focus maintaining those store. Right. Uh, we didn't lose any account as long as they are in business. Right. Or they were in business at the time. So, you know, for bad treatment, for whatever, you know. So Yeah, no, we know, and we know how times have changed. It's been harder for the small Absolutely. stores. Small stores was our core. Unfortunately, that part is difficult. Uh, but again, we are change and we have to keep changing. So we, when when the market went sour in, in, in 2001, we decided to take other approach opportunity. One, to produce product uh, and maximize our uh, production line. In 2008, with, with that hard market, I ended up opening up retail shops. So I was in the airport shop. I was in Miami airport. I was in Philly airport. Yeah. I was in Pittsburgh. I was in... Uh, Washington National. So what's the peak amount of stores you had? We had you? six stores. Six stores. Uh, right. All airports. Airport shops. So tell me about those um, those stores. I mean, was, was those that successful good, for you? Was it good they branding? They were very, very reliable and they were good stores yeah. till the, the opportunity lasted. Uh, I stayed in the, what do you call it, temporary lease because they want you every five years to move to a new location. Yeah. Well, when you do that, you have Gross to things off. Yeah. Well, not only off, well, how much money you're going to spend yeah. and what they want you to spend and if it's really worth it or not. And um, to me, it wasn't. Got it. So you yeah. did it for how many years? Like five years? Maybe five, six years. Yeah. Opportunity was great. And yeah. we switched to that part. You know, as I said, we were strictly American-made product. We went when the market changed to a more dressier look. And today we are totally in casual look. Mm. To maintain the brand, you have to keep up with the time. The, yeah. the time changed. Yeah. Uh, and unless you're able to change, you're going to be out of business. Doesn't right. matter. So adapting, that's a, adapting key, that's a key part of it. Um, and change, accepting the change. Connecting that with the product discussion, how many products do you have right now? Like 600 the, SKU, I think, online at right. least. 600 SKUs online. Yeah. And, and, and looking at the history, like roughly how many retired products do you think you have? We like don't retire a lot because we find the businesses goes this way. Every new pro every product you bring in the first year, and let's say you sell a thousand piece, the following year you'll go 40% higher. Mm. With the second, third year, you'll maximize. Then you're starting to go a little bit that backward. It's it will always work that mm. way. So an item will go up in sales will plateau and then starting to slow down. Mm. The reality is, it, at what level you wanna take it out? Sometime, we still make the same original bag, three top items still being made the same 36 years mm. later. They mm. didn't change. Yes, we saw, we don't sell as many, but for that customers who want that specific look, and that case, we still offer those original piece. And we're proud to say that we still make it 36 years later.
That's amazing. So 600, roughly 600 bags SKUs now. Well, they're not all bags. You have the other you know, bags, kinds of products. Uh, I mean, again, we start as a briefcase and right. uh, leather accessory. Today we are handbag, briefcases, travel, mm-hmm. and, 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 and wallet and accessories. Roughly 600 SKUs, not a lot of retired product because you like to, you know, you just maintain a smaller stock if you know the smaller stock like there. Yes, yes. Um, and you think you guys have been, based on your experience, like, very accurate about predicting flow and maintaining inventory. Do, do, do you still I mean, the, the job I, I hold in this company is a th- three element. That's the, to me is important. It's product development. I do the inventory personally, mm-hmm. even till today. Mm-hmm. I do production. That was the key I felt important to do. So I have a little bit more, you know. So all inventory, all to buy to purchase, is something that is still sitting on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, it's important because, you know, uh, I go back to history. I have the history to go to. As I said, I see every numbers and the numbers usually goes this way, the plateau and starting to slow down. So when you start to, to carry inventory, you have to. I carry inventory today. It's a lot. So, and I'm not afraid of it because I know exactly how the, the circle work, the cycle works. Mm. So. Is all your inventory in this location? Yeah, 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 we have yeah, over yeah. six million dollars worth of inventory. Yeah, so yeah. it's a big inventory house. Yeah. Okay, and you have to. Yeah. That's great. You have to. And then you you have some American-made product. Yes. American and where, product. where where's that made? Is that made, made here? Made here. Yeah. Okay. Well, what is the Jack George's brand? The tag on the bags like truly signify. What do you think that represents today? I mean, you know, as. When you I mean, we had changed now as a casual is less. I think we call it the, they call it the Bolo uh, brand where we are a quality brand, but we don't stick on someone's face. I cannot wear yeah. a labels. Yeah. So I like, you know, it doesn't mean I don't like quality product, yeah. but I don't like something to stick out showing sure. that I'm kidding, whatever the brand is. It's like quiet luxury is another Quiet luxury, they call Bolo brand. Where, yeah. uh, so that we, what we are. People who, I think we have probably the highest income customer base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who people want quality without have to to cry, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's our customer, you know. Yeah. Uh, so all specialties, especially the specialty store market was a big part of our business. I mean, they were in Madison, they were in... Greenwich, Connecticut, or they were in Bridget. Didn't matter. Those were focusing on the, the highest customer base. Uh, so the person who carry a big, we call it brand, uh, some people, is not our customers. You know, yeah. we, we're looking for that person who's looking for quality, not. Yeah, more understated, just. Understated. You know. Understated elegance. So that's really what. Yeah. Uh, so it's always the same there, it's always Jack George there, but it's not in someone. Yeah, someone thinks. And there you have it. Great things take time, vision, persistence, and attention to detail. Look out for Jack George's latest marketing campaign, Postcards from Jack by Blue Liner, where we take this authentic, high-end luxury brand to a wider audience across social media and other channels. 